everybody. This is Jake. I'm just here in my apartment recording solo this evening, doing something a little bit unconventional to our regular podcast. Typically, if you've ever listened to our podcast before, Wilson Torres and myself have a guest, a friend of ours within the industry, on to discuss current whiskey affairs and trends we see happening in the distillery world and the whiskey world and what it's like basically to work inside of this industry. Um, but tonight, it's just me. I'm sitting in my apartment enjoying some new Riff bourbon, um, Bottle and Bond. Very delicious. It's my bourbon of choice as I'm going through National Bourbon Heritage Month, but uh, the bottle's getting a little low, so it looks like I'm going to have to pick up a, another bottle to enjoy or just uh, dust, off, dust off a bottle from the shelf and enjoy one of those. Um, but yeah, so at least I still am having a drink, even though we're by ourselves. Typically, uh, Wilson and I always have a glass of whiskey, maybe a pint of beer, because we usually record at Beguile Brewing um, up in the Ravenswood neighborhood of Chicago. But as I mentioned tonight, it's just me. Uh, September is upon us. It is one of my favorite months of the year. Um, for obvious reasons, the weather starts to cool off a little bit here in Chicago, even though it's like a humid 85 here today in my little Siberian Husky's a little, a little overheated today. Um, but she's, uh, hanging out with me, I guess too. So I'm not always, I'm not totally alone. She's hanging out behind me as I record this. Um, but yeah, back to uh, September. It's a great time. It's uh, something for, uh, um, it's a month where you, you still can enjoy the rooftops, but throw a jean jacket on and walk outside and enjoy a nice glass of whiskey, maybe a cigar to pair with the whiskey as the, te- the cooler temperatures fall upon us and the warmer weather is still here. It's just uh, my favorite time of year when it's transitioning into fall and start to see a little bit of the changing colors maybe here at the end of the month. But it's also a special month because, as I said before, it's National Bourbon Heritage Month. Um, for obvious reasons, it's an important month to to me and my colleagues and friends of mine within this industry because we love bourbon. Um, As other countries have their identities like Japanese whiskey, scotch, Irish whiskey, um, you name it, their identity lies within the right there in the name of their country, being on the bottles that they create. For us, it's a little bit unique when um, bourbon is our is our is our whiskey, but it's not named after America. It doesn't have the United States in it or anything like that. It's only one type of whiskey, but it's ours. Um, in the 1960s, we decided to pass laws to make it our native spirit, where we could only be made in America and had to, cert- to follow a certain code of laws, which I won't go over. Um, just kind of go into it real quickly, though. The, the misconception that we under that I encounter on a weekly basis is that bourbon has to be made in Kentucky. <laughs> um, it can't be made anywhere um, outside of Kentucky. That's true for Kentucky bourbon and Kentucky straight bourbon, but for bourbon in general, it has to be made in the United States and follow a couple laws, a couple of them just being... Um, uh, a couple of the few being that it has to be barrel aged um, for for at least two years, uh, made in America, um, stored in an a, a, a new oak container. So uh, that's a few of them that go in there. Not going to run through the whole list, but it's our native spirit. It's something that's super important to us, and this is the month where we pay homage to the people that came before us, uh, the people that started distilling out in the East Coast in the 1600s and made their way across the country and corn became such an influence, obviously being corn, the main mash bill, the main ingredient in the mash bill being at least 51% of the mash bill to be considered bourbon is another requirement. Here we go running through all of the the laws and um, indirectly, but 
as uh, those explorers grew across the country, it became um, something that was an easier, more accessible, more affordable grain to work with, that being corn. And soon it developed all throughout the country, and with that came uh, our great uh, our great national whiskey. And now we pay homage to it this month um, by drinking it, by writing about it, honoring the legends that came before us, um, like Jimmy Russell, who is celebrating his birthday today. One of the great living legends of this industry, or not his birthday, but his uh, 65th anniversary um, at Wild Turkey, which is just really great to see all the um, postings going out there today, um, this being Tuesday, September 10th. It's uh, it's a special month for us. Um, and then also on a more serious note, um, this month is also um, Suicide Prevention Month. And kind of sorry just to jump right into that um, going from a fun loving time of drinking bourbon to going to a, transitioning to a more serious topic which is suicide it's something that i didn't know existed um kind of in these hashtag holidays called hashtag holiday culture that we're currently in maybe until last year um with that with it being uh, national suicide prevention uh, prevention month it's also um national Su- or suicide prevention day as well which is a big thing, a part of my life. Um, from other other episodes, uh, mostly including Johnny Boucher, who runs Hope for the Day, a uh, fantastic organization, we got really in-depth about what the darkness can be feel like and how it can, over, can overwhelm you and consume you, especially working inside of an industry where alcohol is a, it's a prevalent factor on a daily basis. It's a vice that people can lean on, and it turns into too much of a crutch too much of a way out for us to escape a daily, our daily problems where, uh, you know, I, I find it hard to separate the two sometimes. It's, um, it's a difficult job. Um, and it's also very easy, uh, to reach for a bottle of whiskey and just kind of start drinking, not the pain away, but just, a rough day, if you will. And we've gone over this on the last couple episodes, starting with our episode um, last week that Wilson, or this yesterday that released, Wilson, Matt, and I were talking about Andrew Luck retiring and the mental health and the physical health that goes with playing in the NFL and how we could see the parallels between that and working in the whiskey industry. It was a conversation that I really enjoyed. I'm glad we had it. But I don't think we got fully into where I wanted to go with the conversation. And it wasn't, I wasn't really even aware of that until I was talking to Wilson last night, um, just on our free time because we actually do hang outside, hang out together outside of this podcast. But Wilson recognized that we just didn't go into the, go as far in depth as I wanted to go with the conversation. Um, I played football in college, played football in high school. I only played one year. I played at a small school in college, but as I mentioned on that podcast, there's some days when you leave practice and you're so banged up and you're so tired and your head hurts and it's throbbing that you go take a shower for an hour and you don't feel better and you don't know what's happening into your body. You can't concentrate. You can't focus. You can't do your homework. Um, you don't even want to eat sometimes. And you don't even know, but you don't know what's happening physically to your body. And mentally, you also get so disrupted as well, too, that it's overwhelming. And essentially, you just sit in your room and maybe you just watch TV, even if you can focus your eyes on the TV and take it easy. 
and that's just from practice. And this is from small schools. You know, I wasn't playing against dudes that were 255 pounds running a four or five forty, nothing like that. But it does take a toll on your body. It's a very mental toll. And Matt mentioned how it's kind of like blacking out, being drunk, and comparing that uh, to to Andrew Luck or to an NFL player. As you know, you're losing brain cells. You think it's funny. You think it's great, and all of this until you see the long-term effects start taking shape on your body. And we were trying to compare that with Andrew Luck. He's guy who's gone through so many pains and so many industry, uh, so many <laughs> on uh, industries, but so much uh, affliction upon his body that he just didn't, he couldn't do anymore. And there's been statements of depression with him and statements about not wanting it anymore. And that's so important to understand what is disruptive of your life on such a negative level. And to remove yourself from it is the most positive thing you could possibly do. I definitely applaud Andrew Luck. I couldn't imagine being 29 years old and having the injuries, um, having the surgeries, rehabilitating, and coming back every single year just to try to do that. And people knocked him down for it. And you're just playing a sport. I mean, you might have... 50 good years ahead of you still if you if you leave now um but if you keep going and keep sustaining more injuries and taking more of a toll on your body who knows what will happen so just kind of something i wanted to get back to real quick because i found it very important especially now being um when we recorded the podcast i don't think it was september yet but now that it is suicide prevention month and suicide prevention day right now as i'm recording this I really wanted to get back to uh, to that conversation, but also to explain who I am and what my background may be with all of this. Because we talk about the dark side of the industry quite a bit, and it's been something that's come up on this podcast probably for over the last two months. And we talk about how alcohol can be a real problem in our industry of whiskey. Obviously, it could be. Um, for me... Uh, alcohol was something that I never really touched until my early 20s. Um, wasn't really that fascinated by it, didn't really care for it. Um, I was such I was always an athlete, so I just didn't really touch it until I was probably really 20 years old. Um, but 19 years old, maybe, maybe have a casual glass of wine at dinner, but it wasn't like I was going out partying binge drinking probably until maybe my sophomore year of college and that was just on a small scale <laughs> so it wasn't really until I was almost 21 that I actually started drinking alcohol uh, but along with that I've been battling depression I mean at least since I was 12 years old uh, if not before that but definitely recognized it as a depression by the time I was 12 and in my early teens I was I was a mess I was a horrible horrible mess Mentally, um, I wanted to tear myself apart. And on the outside, most people probably saw my life was pretty good. It was captain of the football team, um, you know, wrote for the student paper, had a lot of friends. Um, my parents uh, were great people. I had a brother who was your kind of all-American kid. And so on a book, you know, a, <laughs> album of a or at face value it seems like that life is good for that person but I, really on the inside all i wanted to do was die and i really mean die just negative thoughts all the time 
And by the time I was 21 years old, um, all those negative thoughts and that depression, that horrible swell of failure and negativity swirled over my head. And alcohol was there to numb that experience, to further, to further numb that experience because I was already in a pretty numb place. And alcohol became something I did to forget about how sad I was. I never drank. This was I was a junior in college. I never drank, you know, where I missed classes. I never drank when I go to work. I had one of my favorite jobs my entire life. I was tutoring kids at the time. And it was that was my saving grace, if you will, was helping others. But I would go home and maybe four nights a week, you get drunk. And you can play it off as, you know, it's college angst. It's just going out and having a good time. And part of it was like that. But part of it was also sitting in my room or sitting in my house by myself and drinking a bottle of rum, drinking as many beers as my belly could possibly hold until I blacked out. And on one night in May, just before finals, uh, alcohol, as I mentioned, helped me further numb my body to the point where I wanted to take my own life. And I decided that night that I was going to. I wrote a note to my parents telling them it wasn't their fault. They weren't to blame for this. I drank a lot of, I believe, rum and a lot of beer so I wouldn't feel it or maybe so I could actually feel something. I know that seems hypocritical or like an oxymoron, but when you aren't thinking clear and you're battling all those thoughts, all those, ne- all those negative thoughts, it's uh, hard to make um, hard to make sense of reality and what you really feel like. So I started carving into my wrist. There was bottles on the floor and blood started to drape on top of those bottles and then slowly to the carpet. I started carving the words me too into my skin. Because I had been reading about depression, reading about people who committed suicide and people who slit their wrists. And I think I just wanted to be a part of some community and feel like I was a part of something so desperately that I started to carve those words into it. Once I was finished, I started running the this blade up and down my uh, my wrist scratching getting deeper and deeper into my skin I was crying tears were definitely mixing with the blood and the beer spilled on the carpet I started to feel something and it was pain and it really really hurt 
But inside of that pain, I found clarity. And that clarity, what I found was survival. I text one of my best friends at the time, just one word, help. She knew where I was at in my head, all the angst that was going inside of me, and all the pain that had been swelling up inside of me. She showed up. She cleaned me up. She put me to bed. And saved my life. I sadly have, or I don't know if it's sadly, but oddly enough, that was the second to last time I ever saw that person. And I never talked to that person after that. It wasn't because of that night directly. It was more of a whole kind of relationship thing, but um, gone awry. But the main focus here isn't that. The focus of it is that I reached out. I didn't let the pain completely overwhelm my life. And I'm talking about the pain I felt before I started cutting my wrist. It's a almost like a phantom pain because it's there, it's not there, but it's always there always there and you just don't know it sometimes but you always feel it in a way and alcohol made me forget about the pain and that's what it can do to you these days and maybe if I drank too much that night where I was completely blacked out drunk I would have finished the job and not reached out. But I guess what I'm really wanting to talk about is about the survival. Because over 800,000 people in America alone take their life every single year. We hear about the stats of 20 to 22 veterans take their life on a daily basis. Suicide rates are only hiring in America. And I wish the world wasn't like that for others. Because I have empathy. I can, re- I can honestly relate to the point of where I didn't want my life anymore. I thought the world would be better off without me. But in all honesty, the world would be better with all of us, with all those victims all 800,000 of those people every single year that take their life. The world will be better without with you. And if there's anybody out there listening to this podcast right now, I won't go much longer, but just reach out. It's, I know it's the hardest thing in the world to do, but it's the best thing in the world to do because we all need you. I didn't think the world wanted me. I didn't think my family wanted me. I didn't think, you know, people, girls and ex-relationships wanted me. I didn't think my friends cared about me. 
I didn't think, you know, the future job market I was about to enter into wanted me because I was so corrupted in my own head with negativity. But when you start to focus on just the little positives, it's amazing how much more that can help. And I fully believe that positivity can come out of conversation. To truly talk to somebody about how you're feeling. Because your family does love you. And there's got to be friends out there that you have that would do anything in this world for you. You might not think they are, they are, they, they are out there for you or that your friends will understand, but just getting it off your chest, getting it out of your head and putting those words actually into the world about how you feel can change your entire life. It's a start. It's not a total solution, but it's a start. So as we enter into the middle of September for both a month about great pleasure and passion and (laughs) the reason why I work in this industry because of bourbon, I don't want to forget about the other part of this month that is suicide prevention because there's too many people in in this industry that take their lives because they battle depression and alcohol can be a crutch to help avoid it. Depression is real. Say hello to it. Don't be afraid to talk to it. Honestly, that's what I do. I talk to it and I listen to it and really think, what's wrong with me? Because it is all in my head. I still battle depression to this day, even though I just got married to my awesome wife and I have great friends. <laughs> I'm working in this industry that I love being a part of. I have a fun time in life. But I still battle depression. And two ways I deal with it is working out and then talking to it. And really trying to find a solution to what is my problem. If I'm having a bad day of sales, sit down and think about Jake. What's what's the wrong? What what are you having a bad part of sales about? What's what aren't you connecting with? And writing it down and playing out scenarios in my head to reconfigure the situation so it can be a positive. Not every day has to be a struggle, and I understand that. It is for many people. And going back to Johnny um, Boucher from Hope for the Day, their whole, their whole tagline is, is that it's okay not to be okay. And once you understand that and start talking to people and reaching out and decide that I'm going to take on this world and I'm responsible for myself and the decisions and the scenarios that happen to play out, which ends up being your life, then you're in control and that's awesome. And that's the best thing you can be in life, in control of yourself. Step back from the negativity, be responsible with a drink, enjoy the rest of this month. I hope I didn't ramble on too long. 
But I just wanted to get that out there because it's really two defining parts of my life right now. Or it has been for a very long time, both of them actually. And I wanted to be as transparent as possible with you about my experience inside of this industry and what bourbon means to me, but also about how suicide, how suicide prevention plays a bigger, a very large role in my life as well. I wish you all the best. Cheers. <laughs>